Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I'm so excited to have Dr. Kelly Crane on the podcast. Dr. Crane has spent her educational career in Kansas and Missouri. She was a teacher and a coach prior to going into administration, where she led a middle school and then a high school. Dr. Crane advanced to central office as an assistant superintendent and finished her career as a superintendent of schools. Dr. Crane is currently working with Better Leaders, Better Schools to help school leaders fight isolation and frustration via a leadership community in order to gain clarity and find solution to their greatest challenges. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, Joshua. Thanks for having me. It's a great honor. And as you know, the show is centered on leadership development. And today, I would love to hear about your leadership journey. Absolutely. I was probably going on about 10 years in education when I took my first assistant principalship at a middle school. I was there for about a year, was just finishing up my degree and the principal of my school uh, took another job for the next year in another school district. I wasn't thinking about applying, but sure enough, the superintendent stopped at my door and he says, hey, I think you need to apply for that job. I'm like, I'm not done with my degree yet. I've, I've still got some things to do. And I had a a baby at the time and I just didn't think I could do it all and he said no really I think you need to apply so that's what I did and sure enough I became the principal of that middle school did that for about three years and he showed up at my door again and he <laughs> says hey I think you need to apply for the high school principal position I'm like Ooh, I don't know about that one and had two little children by that time. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So decided, OK, I'll throw my my name in the hat. And sure enough, I uh, was the high school principal. I stayed there for another three years and then uh, decided uh, as I was finishing my doctorate to go on and try a central office position. I moved across all those were in Missouri. I moved across the state line over to Kansas and became an assistant superintendent in charge of curriculum and instruction and was really excited about that move and that jump. It was a lot different and a little lonely not seeing the kids for sure, but you adjust because you get to help leaders that are with those kids every day and you're in the buildings. During that year, we, the Board of Education had released our HR director and I had to take over those duties and that was a little tough. We had about 80 positions to fill and we had certification issues so we had to move people into the right spots. So that was uh, very stressful and then our superintendent left and lo and behold I became the interim superintendent very quickly. I was not expecting it to happen that quick and then I applied for the superintendency and I I was also applying for other jobs at the time, and I had an offer as a deputy superintendent or the superintendent of schools and decided I would I would go on and jump onto the bandwagon of the superintendency and lead that school district. After about eight or nine years, I decided it's a little stressful. My kids are in high school now. I think it's time for me to hang out with my kids. And mm -hmm. so I left the profession, retired, and that's what I was doing. Helped some charter schools along the way and was helping my husband do some stuff and 
he's retired Marine, works for Delta. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to help him, did some podcasting stuff. And lo and behold, met Danny Bauer at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And that's where I'm at today. That's wonderful. And so you've had so many different titles. What educational leadership position was your favorite and what part of the job made it so enjoyable? Without a doubt, high school principal. I have so many memories and probably for me, I was the assistant principal of the middle school and then the principal of that middle school. So I had those sixth graders and the minute they moved into ninth grade and they thought they were getting rid of me, <laughs> I became the high school principal. They did not like that probably, <laughs> but I had those kids from sixth grade until they were seniors and that was awesome. I knew those kids, they knew me and we just had a great culture. We had a great atmosphere of learning and those kids excelled and it was we had state football championships we it was a smaller town it was incredible we started a lot of new programs and those kids will have a special place in my heart forever leadership is a tricky job and often we have to learn through really difficult experiences so what was one trial or failure you experienced that created the most growth wow that's a great question joshua I would say probably the supervision of teachers and the evaluation of those teachers and making sure that you are present when you say you're going to be present, that you are making every meeting, that you are in their rooms daily, that you are documenting if you need to, that you are giving them feedback. and making sure that they don't feel like you're coming after them, but that you're trying to help them grow and be the best teacher that they can be because that's really our job. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's the number one thing that principals need to really realize and leaders is that we're here to help others grow and become the best teachers they can on behalf of our students. Mm -hmm. So during your educational leadership profession, what had been the largest change you saw in the many roles that you led in? Well, probably as a superintendent, we passed a bond issue and we took on five projects at the same time and renovated three buildings, built a new stadium and built a brand new school within 18 months, oh, wow. which meant that we had to close buildings move teachers, move students into other buildings, which was stressful for the teachers, stressful for the parents, the students. But after really working with a company called Patron Insights, I can tell you that that's what the community wanted. And we surveyed them, we focused on exactly what they wanted and what they thought our community needed. And it went without a hitch. It was very difficult. It was very hard changing bus routes, closing buildings. Nobody wants to close a neighborhood building, but our, our enrollment was declining and, and that was really tough, really tough. And a church took over one building. And so the community was very thankful that that building could be used as something else. So really great input from the community. And it was a win-win for everybody at the end of the day and when everything was completed. So in your experience, which leadership skills were the most difficult to develop? You know, probably the HR ones, dealing with human resources and dealing with people. And and the times I'm thinking about, we had over a thousand employees and those face-to-face -face meetings 
never became any easier. We're talking about people's livelihood. We're talking about people who have children. They have to put food on the table. And those were the hardest skills, I think, to develop. And probably because I don't think it's ever easy in that role. So it was really hard for me to, to have those conversations. We did it. But I had to put those things out of my mind and put into my mind what's best for kids. And I think that's the only way you can do it is what's best for kids, what's best for teachers, what's best for the community. And, and that's how you survive and, and develop some of those skills. That's a good point there. What are some characteristics that you believe every leader should possess to lead a school or be in a district position? Well, I think without a doubt, they have to be a relationship builder. They have to really make sure that they are forming those relationships with people. I'm a very direct person and always, Danny uses this sometimes, but the quickest way from one point to another is a straight line. I don't think teachers or anybody else wants you to beat around the bush. And so I'm just very direct. I, I do have empathy and I do try to do it in the best way that I can, but it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think at the end of the day, they appreciate it because they know what you're about. And so I do think being matter of fact and having being organized and knowing where you're going and being able to tell people where you're going and actually get there is a very good characteristic to possess. I think you have to look at leadership as sometimes being a shared position and you need to share your leadership with others, meaning if you have assistant principals, if you have teachers that have great ideas, you need to soak all that in. You need to take it. You need to use it anytime you can because it does take a, a village to raise a kiddo and we need to do that. And teachers are great. And so often we forget that point because they're in the classrooms and they're teaching our kids every single day. But sitting down having a conversation with a teacher, your assistant principal, anybody, they, have, they add so much value to what we do. So, you know, being vulnerable, I guess, would be a really great characteristic. Mm -hmm. When you were at the district level, did you ever see a principal isolate themselves? And if so, what was the result of that? Yeah, you know, you do see that. It's an interesting place to be in, I, whether they didn't feel like they fit in, whether they didn't feel like they were excelling to the point of their colleagues, or whether they thought they were better than their colleagues. There was all kinds of situations, and you do see that quite often, which is unfortunate. It also happens at different levels because they don't often have similar things to talk about. So you do see it there as well. You know, the result of that, it, it does create a little bit of a riff in your whole system. At times it creates silos if you let it and you cannot let it. You have to put those people together and they have to work through that. I am not a big believer in silos. I think that every student in your district, if you have 30 elementaries, I really think they should be offered the same opportunities and one school should not have more programs than another school. They might have different programs depending on their clientele and, and the students that they teach, but I do think all children should have the same opportunity. So as a leader at all levels at the district, and then I know you've consulted with other schools, what do you believe is the largest barrier to the success of leaders and how do we combat those barriers? I think that sometimes we get in our own way. And that's an interesting comment to make, but we don't reach out to others. We 
do put ourselves in isolation at times. And sometimes you need that shoulder to, to lean on. It's a difficult job. There's no doubt about it. And I don't really think people understand how difficult leadership in schools really is today. I mean, this day and age and the things that are happening out there, you have to wear so many hats as a leader. And I think you combat that by having a network of people you can talk to having a safe place to really voice some concerns you have and how to address some issues that you might have within the leadership. And, and it could be with your own supervisor. It could be with, you know, if you're AP, it could be with your principal. If you're a principal, it could be with the assistant super, the soup, and not agreeing with how they do business. And so, you know, I think to combat that, you have to open that dialogue. You have to really be aware of what's happening as a leader with if you're at the top of, with your people and, and really try to combat that by going to the source. If you hear something, you don't need to talk about it. You just need to go straight to the source. And that's the best way. All right. So I need to talk to you about being a superintendent. Looking back, was there anything that you wish you had known before taking on such a stressful job? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is a very political job. So the politics that play in is amazing, whether it be governmental politics at the local level or at the state level, they all play a part. Finances, that's a huge one. Taxes, bond issues. There's so many intricate pieces and so many people that play a role. I am a really good relationship builder but I spent a lot of time with city leaders, with different people from different organizations, trying to make sure that our district was the best for the community, not only for our students, but to attract people to come to you know, the city, mm -hmm. to make sure that we were a cohesive group and making sure you know, you're, you've got to work with the police department, the fire department, you have to have those relationships. So those are things I, I kind of knew as a high school principal because you have to do all the drills and, and you're kind of, you have to be at the board meetings, but I had no idea the amount of time it would take. Uh, probably the biggest one, I had no idea the amount of time it would take to uh, work with your board of education, mm -hmm. a very diverse group of people who all have pretty much different opinions that you're trying to bring together and really educate them on the educational process because they are parents or city members that really don't know the inner workings. And board policy really says you hire the superintendent, you fire the superintendent. Everything in between, you let them do. Hmm. And sometimes, more often than none, that doesn't happen. So I wish I would have known that. That's a little sure. tough. For our listeners, if anyone's thinking about becoming a superintendent, what advice would you give them? I think the best advice I could give anyone that wants to be a superintendent is to absolutely go for it. It is the most amazing, rewarding job you can have. I think every job in education is very stressful. There's just different stressors. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're gung-ho on being a superintendent, you need to go there. And if someone asks you to be a superintendent, then they think you have the qualities to be that leader and you need to go for it. You don't know what you don't know. 
I can tell you as a teacher, we always wondered what the AP was doing. Then the assistant principal, well, what's the principal doing? I'm doing everything. And then the principals are like, what are they doing at the central office? I'm doing everything for them. And it just goes up. And then people below the superintendent are saying, well, what are they doing? I'm doing all their work. <laughs> it just goes up. And so you don't know till you get to that next position. The job is never done. It is 24-7. You're on call. I would say know your legal parameters of everything and just know the law for students and employees because that's where you spend a lot of your time is with employment law and with things that happen with students and teachers. You spend a lot of time there. So I always love providing leaders with examples of practical strategies and initiatives. What is one initiative you implemented on your campus or in your district that you're extremely proud of? This might be a little old school for some, but you can put a twist on it. But if anybody has had the opportunity to go visit Adeline Stevenson High School in Chicago, Rick DeFore, he's one a very well-known author and has stuff that we all use. Um, we implemented his positive privilege system. I did that as a principal and then as an assistant soup and a superintendent. And we visited the campus. We took a team of teachers. We took even the team of students at, at one point, And we worked with the student councils. And we worked with the staff and came up with those privileges. And you know, it was a card system and it really benefited those students. Instead of focusing on the five or 10% that you spend all your time on that aren't following the rules, you focus on those who are. And you focus, give them privileges that because they're doing the stuff right all the time, but they don't get any recognition. So quit spending your time on those that are running the day for everybody else. I will tell you that you, you got to hit them where it hurts. And that might be a parking pass. That might be going to prom or a game or something but if they're not following the procedures that were outlined then that's what happens i wouldn't do it without having student input that's the whole buy-in right there yeah. they've got to create it and then they live by it and they voice it to their classmates so um, i will tell you there wasn't a student i came across that wanted to lose their privileges or their card that was tough <laughs> but we were really proud of that system it, it's a cool system if you do it right mm -hmm. In any of your positions as a principal or a district leader, how did you grow future leaders? That's a great topic. You've got to grow within. You've got to give those opportunities to teacher leaders. Anybody that's in their classwork or, or aspiring to be a, a principal, you automatically latch onto them. You give them as a principal, you would give them jobs so you could see how they take on that delegation and how what kind of results come from them. And if they're going to, to really be good at that, you give them some professional development opportunities to present and to really work with teachers. That was one of my favorite things to do is really watch who was within our realms and who we could put in spots. And we tried very hard to honor those teachers that we knew were getting their degrees and were going to be certified, we put them in positions. We also were very sincere when we knew a teacher was going through that program and we gave them some duties to do and it wasn't as solid as what we wanted. We would try to help them grow and if they didn't, we just didn't give courtesy interviews. 
And when we gave interviews, it was, we would go to them first and say, here's why you're not getting an interview. And I think so often people miss the, the boat on that because they sit around waiting for districts to call them. Did I get the job? Did I not get the job? Did I get the interview? Did I not get the interview? And I think that all leaders, if I could say one thing, all leaders should, when you're interviewing someone for a position and you say you're going to fill it by a certain date, you honor that call and you say, you know what, we're still, you know, going through some processes here, but you call and let them know so they're not hanging. Mm -hmm. Or you call and say, hey, we really appreciate you interviewing, but we've gone a different direction. Give them that call. Uh, don't email them, pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Since you brought up interviews, I always like asking principals or district leaders about their interview process. What were some things that you were looking for when you were hiring for a leadership position? The number one thing I always look for is student-centered leaders and how they led around students and with students. And that was very important to me. I looked for a very strong person in their virtues and philosophy of education and wanted to make sure it matched what we were doing. I think a lot of times people forget not, not only are we interviewing, but the candidate is interviewing us as well. We're all vying for candidates and we have to really put our best foot forward. And so we really tried to make it one of those two-way streets when we're talking to, to really listen to them instead of doing a lot of talking, we wanted to, to hear from them. But I wanted to make sure first and foremost that they were student-centered and they had to know their instruction. I wanted to know strategies. I wanted to know what they could do in the classroom. That was important. Kelly, you are now retired, but you are working with Danny Bauer with Better Leaders, Better Schools. So will you just let our listeners know about that position and what projects you're working on right now? Absolutely. Danny is a fantastic leader. I latched on to Danny through my husband and through some other colleagues working on show notes and his podcast, Better Leaders, Better Schools. And if you listen to podcasts, that's another one you guys need to listen to. Most definitely. I, I fill up my list with all kinds of things. And so I, I was working with him on that and we learned a little bit about each other and started working together. It's coming on about a year. We're not too far off from that. And we work with leaders, aspiring leaders in a mastermind group. And so we really work with them and coach them on their leadership skills. And it's the best professional development that's out there. I wish I had it when I was a, an assistant principal or principal, even as high up as a superintendent. Because when you get in those positions and you're supervising people, they're not the people you can talk to. And it's really hard to talk to your boss because they're spread so thin. So sometimes you can't even get in to see them. So you have to have someone to talk to. And I was talking earlier about that safe place and where you can really talk to somebody and maybe they could give you a different point of view. They could give you a different lens to look through. Maybe they give you a different idea about how to handle a situation. It is priceless. It is phenomenal to have so much input 
when you're talking with, you know, leaders from around the country, we have over 60 members, six different countries, and education is education, believe it or not. It doesn't matter if it's private, charter, public. We all have kiddos, and we all have some of the same struggles. Granted, there are some differences, but philosophically, you can you can approach things pretty much the same way. So working with these mastermind groups with Danny has been just a great learning experience for me on the other side. But it's one of those things that I can't wait till I see these people again. There's a gal in China and my husband goes to Shanghai and I'm totally going to take a trip when he flies out on Delta to, to Shanghai and I'm going to go see her. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so you build these relationships and in the process you help them and they call you, you email them, you give them great content. We do some one-on-one -on -one coaching. We do some help them with interviews. Like we just got through the season of getting new jobs. I think three or four of our people advance to the next job. So so it's an incredible experience and one that I think everybody should be in to help themselves grow, invest in yourself. Kelly, in closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? I think the most enjoyable aspect is probably building the relationships and working with other leaders, really taking what everybody's doing and helping them get to that higher level and get to their aspirations, their dreams, and really make an impact on students. I think that that, without a doubt, is the best thing ever. And I just love seeing leaders grow and we love seeing kids grow. The one thing that Danny always says is everybody wins when a leader gets better. And that's what Better Leaders, Better Schools does. I encourage everybody to really level up your leadership. So Kelly, how can our listeners connect with you on social media? Absolutely. So you can reach me on LinkedIn. Just type in Kelly Crane, leadership coach at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Crane. Please continue to check out the Aspire podcast. And if you've gotten any value from the show at all, please subscribe and leave a rating review wherever you're listening. Make sure you sign up for the Aspire newsletter to stay up to date on the latest giveaways, announcements, ideas, and exclusive content by going to joshstamper.com and signing up. Don't forget to use the Aspire Lead hashtag as you continue the conversation on social media. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks, Joshua. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it.